Hello, and thanks for tuning back into Character Speaks, a podcast in partnership with ProSign Design to spotlight passionate character educators who are walking the talk. I'm your host, Barbara Gruner, and today we are visiting with a father, an educator, a writer, Gary Armida. Am I saying that right, Gary? You got it. Well done. Up in New York, welcome to Character Speaks. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor to be here. Thank you. Yes, I first became acquainted with your work maybe a month ago when I read a piece on your blog that talked about honors being not all about more. So we're going to come back to that. First, tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to today. Well, um, as you said in the intro, and first, thank you for that. Um, I am a dad. I have a beautiful 10-year-old girl who continues to inspire me every day. And before having her in my life, I studied to be a teacher. Um, It was one of those things, those journeys where I didn't know if I actually wanted to be a teacher, but it was always in the back of my mind. Um, I was uh, involved with sports, specifically baseball and coaching and landed. I was always pretty good with English and my best teachers were always English teachers. And I can still remember a lot of the things, um, you know, my eighth grade English teacher did and then my high school English teachers did. So I was always drawn to that subject in writing and graduated from college with a teaching degree in English and went to work and haven't looked back ever since. 21 years later, here I am. Um, You know, I'm lucky to have taught eighth grade um, in a middle school and then coming to North Rockland High School about 16 years ago. And it's been home ever since. And it's really been a, a great, great ride. And I'm looking forward to see seeing more of it, that's for sure, because it's definitely not the end. Congratulations on two decades. That's amazing. That's just crazy, two decades. When you say it like that, it's just, it's nuts how time flies. So so fast. When I got to 25 <laughs> years and I started saying a quarter of a century, right? <laughs> like, whoa, <laughs> new perspective. Hey, why secondary? I know maybe with the emphasis on English, but was there something that drew you to those preteens and those adolescent years as opposed to elementary? Well, you know, it's interesting. I actually, when I enrolled in college, I went to Dominican College, which is in New York. Um, I originally started out as an elementary ed student. And then through baseball, I started coaching and I, I was actually coaching a high school team while I was in college. And just the that age group, the ninth grade, I had a lot of ninth graders and I just felt a connection and more of an more of an impact. And Truthfully, elementary school teachers work infinitely harder than secondary ed teachers. I'm not afraid to say that. Um, but there, there was a connection there. And I just, you, you know when you just know. And after that season, I went into my college advisor and said, nope, I went into secondary ed. And again, English is always m- my favorite subject and what I was drawn to. So um, it just, it was a natural fit. That's, that's really the story. Well, we have that as a connection. I don't think I got to tell you, but I actually got my degree in English and Spanish as well. Oh, wow. And so my first job was, yeah, ninth grade English. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Flowers for Algernon. (laughs) 
was absolutely so <laughs> fun to teach the novels and the vocabulary and mm -hmm. the sensitivity circles and just you know get them thinking and, and feeling that literature absolutely i mean and that's you know the the passion you can the things you can do with english and the passion you can invoke is evoke is really what draws me to the subject and what draws me coming 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 to work every day you know it's just something new and even from class to class you can read the same thing or talk about a piece of writing that you're doing and you get if you're teaching five classes you get five different results and then multiply that by the 30 kids in the class i mean it's pretty amazing stuff so yeah, I completely agree. It's it's amazing. That's for sure. Do you find your coaching sneak into that at all? Like you maybe adopt more of a coaching model than a sage on the stage kind of model with your kids? I think so. You know, I, I that's a great question. And I do. I still think like a coach. Um, you know, it's all about teamwork and building um, an us against the world mentality kind of thing. You know, we're in it together, and that's the kind of culture I would like, I like to build. And we, we talk a lot about um, trusting the process of what we're doing. And, you know, that's directly, directly ripped off from a baseball a manager, Joe Madden, who is the manager of the Chicago Cubs. And he structures his team like that. Trust the process. And if you trust the process, the results will follow. So, so don't worry about so much the end results. But if you're putting in the work now and we're doing this together in this way and we're all believing in it, it'll come through. So yeah, I would definitely think I, I do have a coaching mindset when it comes to the classroom. Cause I, I think it's all kind of the same thing, you know, in sports, yes, it's about wins and losses, but true coaching is developing skills and, you know, developing relationships with kids more than anything else. And then developing that team community. And that's the same thing in the classroom. So how do you know when you've got a win in the classroom? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, for for me, it's just the conversation with kids every day. I, I feel like I, as corny as this is going to sound, I feel like I win every day. Um, you know, you just have that conversation with a kid, whether it's them, you know, working through a piece of writing or, you know, coming into my office and sitting down and just being comfortable enough to tell me, what, you know, what's going on in their life, and and that's a win. You know. And if you, if you can develop relationships like that, everything that happens in the classroom can be successful. And, you know, kids will push themselves to move forward because they know you're with them together. So I, I think that's the win when, when you know a kid will come to you and for anything, whether it's help with academics, help with life, what's going on, or just even, you know, they had 10 minutes and, you know, they chose you to come talk to. You know, so I, I think those are the those are the victories that should be emphasized. And, um, you know, maybe they aren't talked about enough in our field and they really should be because, uh, you know, that's the best part of the job, talking to kids every day. So it kind of sounds like you're putting kids before content, which is as it should be. But I, I, I'm going to date myself here a little bit. I'm, I'm <laughs> a few years because I made it to 34 here in May. But um, congratulations. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Yeah. Three and a half decades. There you go. <laughs> but as I started, I would say those first few years, the kids kind of got ripped off because I moved very quickly from English into Spanish because that's where they needed me. And mm -hmm. I was teaching Spanish, man. And if you could conjugate those verbs, <laughs> we, I was all about it. And if you didn't really want to conjugate those verbs, 
then I kind of had a, well, this is an elective, and you can just elect something else mindset. Not something I'm proud of, but I like to be able to say, I've grown since then. And I'm not saying it's anybody's fault. However, that kind of was the mindset back then. Mm -hmm. So when do you think it switched for you? I was very lucky. And I had the same type of thing with my career. I, I didn't start this way. And, you know, I'd like to say I always had a good connection with kids. Um, and that was always a priority. But the what I do in a classroom is so vastly different. I mean, when I first started teaching, it was it was content. We're, we're reading the most amount of books out of everyone else in, in the grade, that kind of thing. Um, and then about three years into my career, we had a new department chair. And this is while I was still teaching eighth grade. And this guy was ahead of his time. So we're talking about 17, 18 years ago. And he was the first one who actually told me, he said, you're doing good things here, but it's you doing the things and the kids aren't truly doing it for themselves. They're doing it for you. And wow, he, that's powerful. Yeah, and it really was. And, and um, he really put his money where his mouth was. He, would, uh, he brought me in. He actually got me off of my duty for about a month so I can come and watch him teach. And just watching him, you know, the, there wasn't, it was all conferencing and individual instruction. And you saw kids coming up with pieces of writing and, and he was teaching seventh grade at the time. And, you know, hearing these conversations, these higher level conversations and them joking around while um, Steve, who was our department chair, wasn't the center of attention, the kids were. And from that day on, I, I, I think 17 years later, I'm still trying to be Steve and I'm not there yet, but I think uh, I'm definitely a whole lot better um, than I was then. So, and I think each year you try to just evolve even more. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how it happened. I, I, I was lucky to have good mentors in my life when I needed them. So. Awesome. Okay. So you mentioned that you're lucky to have mentors. Whose mentor are you? That is a good question. Um, I, I, I would hope I am to people. I, I'm fortunate enough in my role now as, as the English department coordinator. Um, I think I have the best job in North Rockland because I still get to teach uh, three classes. And then the rest of the day, I can do working with teachers, working with um, other students in, di in different capacities. Like, for instance, just today, um, I got to go in and teach eighth grade. Um, one colleague had to leave a bit early and I just, I got to go finish the outsiders with a group of kids. So oh, that's you know, fun. it was awesome. I, it was just great. You know, seeing the looks on their faces when they realized, you know, the whole story was, the, was his essay. It was tremendous, but then getting to go and, and, you know, have conversations with my colleagues, you know, so my department, we have young teachers just starting out. We have this uh, one very talented young lady who, it's her first year in the profession and she's just killing it at our alternative high school. And, you know, so the conversations there are about, you know, trusting her and trusting her, her instincts and, you know, really trying to, cause she's so centered on kid relationships. She's so far ahead of me where I was at that point in my career. So getting her to trust that instinct, whereas, you know, I was lucky enough last year, one colleague reached out and said, you know, I'm, I love how you teach argument writing. Would you mind coming and then working with me. And I was like, absolutely. So for 
a good month and a half, I was teaching seventh grade alongside my colleague and really trying to, you know, show her what I do. Not that it's the, you know, the end all and be all, but this is what I do. And so that that's really what I try to do, just pass it on to anyone who is interested and, you know, continue to have the conversations with people and, you know, bounce new ideas off each other. And, you know, that's really, I call it finding my crew, you know, so I have my crew and we, you know, we help each other. So it's more of a, you know, I don't know if I'm exactly a mentor, but I hope to be a resource and, and they're, they are that for me too. You know, every, every day, you know, first period, um, we'll have, I have, I'll have coffee with one of my colleagues and, and we'll chat just about everything. And, you know, we'll give each other ideas and, you know, that's the kind of things I love about my job. So, um, so I don't know if I'm exactly a mentor, but I'm hoping that what I do and then with starting our website with, uh, Chris Felicello, I was hoping, you know, to pass on what I've learned and, and I continue to learn. So that's really kind of what I hope. So on that website, you said that it was your goal to help everyone in the profession be the best, like, I guess, the best version of themselves. Yes, absolutely. How do you and, do and, that? <laughs> that's a, that's a <laughs> million dollar question. Um, <laughs> I, Listen up, I, everybody. <laughs> exactly. I th- my, my best advice in terms of that is to go in each day and think, what can I do to make the kids' lives lives better, and you know what can I do to make class the best thing about their day, and and if you can do that, you are being the best version of yourself. Some days you will have epic failure, and I still have those. You know, I've had some really terrible teaching days this year because you try something new, it didn't work out, and you feel horrible. But you know, it's that's part of the game, and that's part of the the every day. So I think if you go in with that mindset that how can I make my class the best experience these kids will have? That's it. Um, I think you're, and going back to your question about winning, I think that's winning. And one of my colleagues who is one of my education heroes, Jennifer Harrington, um, she teaches eighth grade and she's been doing it for over two decades as well. And she still, she likens it to, I want these kids to feel like they've been to a year long show where they get the best performance every single day. And, you know, by the end of the year, they're like, wow, this was this was the best show I've ever seen. So, yeah. So you've mentioned mindset a couple of times. And I actually mm-hmm. hear with the failure and the growth, a lot of mindset um, theme coming through. Do you actually teach mindset beyond the model? Beyond the modeling? Yes, actually, actually, absolutely. Um, Every year, um, at the beginning of the school year, we'll, we'll talk about uh, weaknesses of strengths, uh, Dave Rendell, um, based on Dave Rendell's book. And it is something where for you know, people, and especially kids, they're told, you know, this generation isn't focused, this generation is this, this generation. And they're, they're told that there's weaknesses. So we talk about a mindset that your weaknesses are actually, can be strengths if you flip your mindset around. And... Um, so we'll go through a writing activity where, you know, pick your, pick what you think are your three weaknesses and inevitably every year. Um, and I say every year I've done this the last two years, um, kids, um, procrastination comes out as the number one thing. And it's really, yeah. And they're, they're very honest with themselves. You know, some of the things 
that they come up with. And, and I list mine as well. And one of mine is procrastination. My biggest flaw, if you want to call it a flaw, is procrastination. I will wait to the last minute. And they're like, well, Mr. Armida, how, you, how, would, how do you handle that? I was like, listen, my strength is you give me a deadline, I'm going to come through. And that's when I'm at my creative best. And I know that about myself. And I need, de- I need that deadline and almost that pressure of a deadline to make me do my best work. And I embrace that about myself. Um, you know, my sister jokes with me all the time. She's the opposite of me. She plans everything. She's very long term. She was the ideal student. Um, and to this day, she'll, you know, she'll be like, Oh, you know, you're, you're writing a book. Are you there? I'm like, yeah, we're working along towards it. And she goes, you're going to be, you know, the day before banging out like four (laughs) chapters. And I'm like, probably, but it'll be good. I promise. You know? So we actually teach that. That's my long winded answer of saying, yeah, I, I, we set the tone now every year with here's our mindset. Yes. Everyone says these are flaws, but they're, they're actually what makes you, you, and we want to amplify your strengths. And, you know, know who you are um, and amplify who, what makes you you and we'll find success. So we talked about the win and now you've mentioned success. <laughs> What's the loss? Great question. The loss. Well, I'm going with the, the sports lo- metaphor. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You're speaking my language. Um, the loss, the losses are tough. And, you know, if, if you there, there is this feeling, you know, a lot of times I'll come home and, and, and nitpick through, you know, I wish I could have done this better. Like even today, we were doing a lesson on, you know, source reliability and the kids gave some great answers and we had a great discussion and I did my best to like shut up and let them talk. And I still came home going, I didn't quite get there. <laughs> um, you know, I gave a little bit too much of me and guided them. A little bit too much and they didn't need that so to me that's part of the loss and then you know it's whenever you see a kid who is un, unduly stressed because of your class or what's going on I feel like that's a loss and that's something we have to come back from and be mindful of you know kids are under so much stress and there's so much anxiety you know the pressure to chase the number and you know if a kid feels that in my room that's a loss and I'm not doing a good enough job to set that, you know, climate and, and tone in the room that, you know, it's really about the learning and not about the number. And one of our key phrases is a number does not define you. And if that doesn't happen, that to me is a, is a loss. Um, but I'm going to keep working until we turn that L as the kids say, we'll take an L for one day, but we're going to come back strong the next day. So that's what we'll do. I'm really connecting with how much I feel your love and care for these kids. And it's going to segue beautifully into that blog post that I read where I'm, you could have been writing about my daughter. And in fact, she's 25 now, but I sent that post to her and said, Caitlin, you have got to read this. This oh my is goodness. totally you because she had her eye set on architecture school and they told us a thousand kids would apply and 80 would get in. Mm. So 
it, it behooved her to work really hard, sign up for everything AP, be the drum major, lead the recycling club, you know, play mm-hmm. as an all-state clarinetist, and on and on and on. So when I read that post, it just really resonated. Will you talk about that? Well, th- first of all, thank you for thinking it was good enough to send to your daughter. That's uh, a huge compliment, and I really appreciate that. Um, yes, that piece in of itself, it's something I've always felt as a teacher. Um, and in my early days, I was afraid to say that because, you know, you teach honors, you teach AP, you gotta, you know, kids gotta do more work, more, more, more. And, you know, as I've grown more comfortable in my own skin and who I am and being more confident, I, I, I truly believe that we have reacted to all these new standards and these mandates with this concept of more and more definitely does not equal better or, um, more enrichment or a more rich experience for kids. Um, so that, that has been my mindset. And then my friend who knows I'm, I'm, I'm very much opposed to the idea of traditional homework. Um, texted me literally what I wrote in, in, in the post with his daughter's homework. Um, and it just sent me spot, like, how are we still doing this as a, a, as an industry? How have we not evolved enough to realize that eight hours of homework for a seventh grade girl who is involved in softball and involved in so many other things and actually should deserves to have a life and is a good kid and so good that she'll endure all this night after night, um, really, really got me upset, which got me to writing. And when I get upset, I, I write and I actually write when I'm happy too. So, but this one, uh, <laughs> this one prompted me to, to really kind of champion the cause a little bit, um, of really trying to express the idea that it's not about how much it's, there's so many other ways to give an honors experience or an advanced placement experience to kids without overloading them, without making them not like school. And that, and that's what that's what I see with a lot of kids in that fifth, sixth, seventh grade where the transition goes from I love school, I love school to I'm enduring school, I'm enduring school to what we don't want. And here's the true loss is I hate school. And and that's the part that scares me a little bit because this young lady who was the inspiration for this loves school. And the last time I talked to her, hey, how's school? Ironic. You know, and she she was like, it's OK. And it's like mm. the first time in all the years she's ever just said it's OK. No. And, and exactly. And that's the loss. So um, that was really, you know, taking it through and just mapping it out. And this was not exaggerated. It was not an exaggerated piece. Um, I know social media questioned a little bit of it, which was totally fine. I get that. And it wasn't about her procrastinating because that was one of my first things. Well, how long did you have to do this? No, they literally got it that night. All of that was new stuff, except for the one quiz that they knew about. So um, that was some fresh stuff in there. So, um, yeah, it's it, right. Don't you think it? this whole idea of just piling on? And I see, a, you know, my own AP kids. I teach uh, a 10th grade AP class. Uh, it's called AP Seminar. And it's the best class I've ever taught. Um but these, the kids in my class, they are 
up all hours of the night doing homework for other advanced placement courses. You know, I have one young lady who, um, she told me this story last year. She went to bed at 1 a.m. doing homework, got up at four to finish the rest and then went to school. And, and to me, that's just, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong if, if that's the norm. Well, I have to tell you, I also read the article to my husband because that totally really was all three of our kids, although Caitlin was probably the most diligent um, to get it all done. And sometimes we would see her light on and, you know, in the hallway when we were up in the middle of the night for a bathroom break. And I would feel so guilty, like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. sleeping and she's in there plowing exactly. away through homework. And John's reaction was like, oh, come on, that kid procrastinated. There is no way. And so he was one of those skeptics. Of course. And I said, John, can you not remember? I know it's been eight years, but that was exactly Kate's experience through really starting in the sixth grade when she decided architecture was what she was going to do and have, what would she have to do just to get in? Right. And that's the thing we have. We're, we're setting kids up to chase this system that we're not even sure we understand what the system is they're chasing. You know, the whole getting into college thing. Um, you know, Harvard's on trial for their admission practices right now. And they revealed in court that they, they aren't hard and fast by the numbers. They actually have a formula and percentages and things like that where, you know, here we are as, you know, secondary ed teachers. You got to do this, this and this to get into college. And we're not even sure we're playing the same game. It's it's. It's sad in a lot of ways, um, in, in pretty much always. Because so, kids are great. I mean, the kids, to, the kids who I'm teaching and, and who I get to go around in the other part of my job and, and deal with, they're great kids. They want to do so many creative things, and they have passions, and they, and they want to do well. And I think if we can flip the, mind, the way school runs and, you know, be a little more open and let them experience things and, and do things out of passion. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get there. Um, one of my best friends is our social studies department coordinator. And he said something that has resonated with me. Now you would think social studies, it's all about the facts and everything. (laughs) And, And he said, the curriculum is merely a vessel to teach skills. And I thought that was something. And he said that, and isn't that powerful? I I mean, it it. was one of the, it was one of the best things I've heard. And that's from a guy who teaches history. And he said that we, you know, Chris Felicello asked us to work our new teacher workshops at the beginning of the year. And when he said that to a group of new teachers, I I just hope that's sunk in, you know, it's curriculum is important. Yes. But the skills developed are the ultimate goal because ultimately we're, we want kids to be great citizens. We want them to be active and and we want them to know that they have the skills to advocate for themselves and, and be something in this world. So, um, yeah, I just thought that was really powerful. I'm also glad you mentioned passion because midway through the five year program, she realized she no longer had the passion for architecture, Uh. (laughs) which I mean, if you decide too early, right? Sixth grade and, you know, yeah. So she ended up with a skill set that was amazing because she had to endure, a lot in in the architecture field and in the lab and in the studio, but she ended up doing graphic design and loves it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. 
Okay, so you're an author, you're a teacher, you're a coach of sorts in the classroom and, and in your profession. You're a dad. How, how are you taking care of yourself so that you don't get empathic distress or compassion fatigue? That's <laughs> um, another good question. It's something um, I ask a lot. Um, for I'll say this. Um, I, love, I do love my job, and I'm not one of those people that will disconnect for the most part. Like, I'll have kids, because we're about the process, they're writing papers, and, you know, I don't sleep a lot. So I'll know at 11 o'clock I'll get an email saying, hey, Armita, can you look at my paper? So <laughs> I will do that on a lot of nights. But um, I'm definitely so – I'm into sports, um, so I do baseball specifically. So a lot of baseball. Um and going to the gym, I've made that commitment to to do that, and that helps me kind of just you know run out my day and exercise my day. And um, I'm lucky enough to have a, a great daughter, as I keep saying, who keeps me busy. You know, and she's one of those passionate, creative kids who you know always wants to create things. You know, whether it's videos and YouTube stuff, and so she keeps me busy and keeps me young and. You know, that's that's really it. I have a great extended family, um, tremendous nieces who are, you know, always active and doing things. So we're we're fortunate in a lot of ways. And I'm lucky that way to, you know, ha it's a it's a good life with a, a great job that, you know, has filled a part of me that I didn't know existed until a while ago. You know, you kind of grow into your job as you were kind of hinted at before you grow into it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was lucky and lucky enough and fortunate enough to you know, I always say Forrest got my way into this. And, you know, I don't know if it's anything I did, but I'm pretty lucky to get there. So, Well, and it sounds like they're lucky to be under your care and mentorship. Um, before we go, will you tell listeners what's next for you? Did, did you mention a book? Yes. Uh, Chris and I, Chris Felicello, who is uh, my, the co-founder of our website, uh, The Teacher and the Admin. Um, we were lucky enough to get a book deal, um, recently, um, this past November we signed with Edu Gladiators, and so we're, thank you, so we're working on that, we'll be handing that in, in, in March, and you can look for that, um, late next, late in the summer, or, you know, next September to start, so and it's exciting. do you have a title yet? We have a working title. Um, one of the things that, and Chris, Chris will laugh, I am the worst with titles. I perseverate over titles and, <laughs> and can't figure one out. But the gist of it will be, you know, um, the idea of the book is teachers and administration can work together. And that's, you know, we can't, so we take issues. And so it's, it's almost better together how we can improve schools as a team kind of thing. Um, so that's the concept where we'll take an issue such as homework or homework reform or um, building parent relationships. And Chris will write his part as an administrator. I'll write my part as a teacher and how we and then we wrap it up kind of like together how the teacher administration team. It can't be this divide because if you really do want to change things, it has to be a total organization effort. So um, so that's the concept. And it's coming out pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited nervous, like I said, a lifelong dream. So, um, it's, it's, it's been interesting and, and I can't wait for it to be there and be this real thing, you know? So, yeah, that'll be an amazing day. Um, my editor would not let me even talk about the title 
until the book was done. And I'm like, but I've got some really good. No, 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 no. <laughs> you will wait until the book is done. And then she actually picked out something from one of the chapters that I didn't even really kind of remember even writing. And it was just the question, mm. what's under your cape? And I had said, you I know, then, you know, then you'll find out what's under your cape like what's in your heart, right? And mm -hmm. and she went, okay, that's perfect. And and you would have probably never thought that. It was just part of the writing process. And right. from there we got a in somewhat intriguing, you know, inquiry kind of title. Absolutely. That's a tremendous title. And I, it's one you, I wish I thought of, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so it's a, titling things are worth, I just want to write, you know, and just let it go from there. And that's why editors are special people. You know, they can think of those kind of things. So really special. That. Okay, yes. where can listeners, you mentioned you want to talk about the website, you mentioned a website, any kind of social media, where the listeners can follow and grow alongside of you. Sure. Um, thank you for that. Uh, the website is theteacherandtheadmin.com, literally spelled just like that. Um, I'm on Twitter. That's my main source of um, social media, and it's at Gary Armida, all lowercase, all together. Um, we also have a Twitter account for the teacher and the admin, at teacher and admin. Um, but, and there's also a Facebook one for that, but I, I'm embarrassed to say I'm not a Facebook guy. No. So, uh, Chris, Chris does a lot of our social media. He's amazing with that kind of stuff. I take care of the website and all that stuff, and Chris handles a lot of the social stuff. But Twitter and my account is where you would find me on social media. I just did my, you know, my first Twitter chat um, in in December for the first time, and it was all kinds of interesting. So, um, you know, doing more of those. So, well, prepared to be hooked. Those are so much <laughs> fun. I know they were going so fast. I found myself typing so fast and then trying to read everyone's and. It, it was it was definitely uh, more fun than I thought it would be. You Did know, you at Chris least always... have TweetDeck opened? Yes, I'm a big fan of TweetDeck. Excellent. So I had I had the columns and everything going. So um, most definitely. Is there anything I didn't ask you before we close today? No, I think you are tremendous at this. Thank um, you. <laughs> this this was a great conversation. Um, you know, you got me talking and all excited, and you know. So thank you for that. I really do appreciate um, the opportunity to talk to you and, you know, talk about our, our profession because I, I, it's a great one and sometimes a misunderstood one, right? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's great that we have, you know, voices like you out there who, you know, will have these kind of conversations. So I, I thank you for that. And I want to formally thank you, um, our guest today, Gary Armida. Thank you so much. And listeners, to remind you that this podcast is supported by ProSign Design, a family-owned business dedicated to character, safety, and organization. Join us next week as we continue the conversation about character education, connections, and life. If you like what you heard today, I understand that reviews are always helpful. And until next time, remember that character.